Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Welcome, Mitch. Friday, week one is about ready to get in the books of the Ohio and podcast. Craig, what a week. Have you survived? You su- I think so, yeah. I mean, uh, I woke up a little extra tired here for some reason, okay. um, but uh, I'm ready to go. It's uh, it's Friday. I'm yeah. excited. Got some work to do after we're done here, but I'm ready to go for the fr- – it's Friday. I'm ready to go. Same here, same here. Um, we're missing Brandon today. Brandon's not feeling well, and we hope he'll be back on Monday. Uh, it happens. Uh, you know, it's the season to be sick, and like I said, Brandon, Brandon's a little weather, but like I said, we look forward to seeing him on Monday. Um, yeah, just some promotional. Um, I, my MVP of yesterday, uh, Craig, was my friend Trey Ryder from the American Cornhole League and ESPN. Um, uh, he asked me to send him a link. I sent him a link. He posted it. 10 seconds literally after I sent him. I sent him like at 7 a.m. yesterday. So, Trey, major props to you. If you haven't checked out the podcast yet, check out yet. From yesterday, he talks about cornhole and the growth of the sport. And the fact that it's going to be on CBS now, too. So, man, cornhole is going to have more TV network deals than the NFL prison. That's exciting. I mean, I've, I have to admit that I've caught myself watching it. I've, I've played cornhole, like it, I think every other Ohioan maybe has, but. Um, I have caught myself watching it on ESPN when it's been on, and uh, I think it has a chance to, you know, expand its audience here on CBS. I, I'm kind of curious to see how popular cornhole is nationally. I mean, I think we we think of it like you know tailgating, and we definitely do it in Ohio. But I'm kind of curious to see if like a lot of other states have cornhole for tailgating or just for you know backyard fun. Well, I mean, he said it's growing. I, I think it's a, a tribute to them because I know part of the the way they got on TV was they were a sport when no other sports were going on. But right. the fact that ESPN renewed it, the fact that they're uh, still continuing, the fact that with CBS, I mean, I, I think that's a really good thing. And then this morning, um, what we've tried to do, originally when we came up with this podcast, we were thinking about doing an interview at the end. But we, we felt... We didn't want to make the podcast too long. We didn't want to um, shorten this part of the podcast. So we said, why not make two separate um, episodes? So it's still the Ohio podcast. It's still the same thing. So what we're trying to do is release two a day. One is what we're doing right now. And the second one would be just an interview. And 
Um, but Craig, we recorded this one a couple weeks back, but uh, we talked to the great uh, Tom Stoff uh, from Columbus Zoo. He's the CEO present there. Um, and we were released it this morning. So, yeah, checked it out. Uh, Craig and I visited with him. And I tell you, uh, Tom's a great guy. Uh, we talked about the retirement of Jack Hanna. Uh, lots of great stories about Jack Hanna. And some insight to what the zoo is expecting for 2021. I mean, yeah. definitely changed what happened last year with COVID. And COVID still going to be around for a while. So uh, Tom's talking about how the zoo is adjusting. And kind of scary time for the zoo. Zoo lost a lot of money uh, because they thrive on the mission. And obviously, a mission was a little bit tougher during the time of COVID. So that should be good, too. Uh, let me uh, do a couple of ads to start out with. Again, however you're looking at this episode, and I, I appreciate, I know we're starting small. I, I know we're not Joe Rogan after the first week, but it, I'm seeing people are listening. I really appreciate that. I will um, say you can connect with us on social media. Uh, we have a lot of links if you're watching this on YouTube or if you're watching this on one of the podcast providers. Connect with us there. Join our Patreon page. Um, I got to say, I've been slammed at work this week, so I haven't got to update Patreon as much as possible. But it's a good way of keeping updated with the show. You can send us ideas and support us. Jeez, we're doing this five days a week. Uh, we've given you probably an hour and a half to two hours of content each day. The least you could do is uh, support us with three bucks a month. I think it's well worth that. And then check out our sponsors. Uh, Chase Bank, again, you open up a, a bank account. You accept direct deposit, you get 200 bucks. I mean, just as easy as that. Um, and also, Mainly Man Company. Uh, Craig, I got to get this guy back on with us sometime. Um, it's a unique company that offers gifts for the man in your life. So, Man Bouquet. And what, and what Man Bouquet is, is a bunch of, like, beef jerky and meat and everything. <laughs> so, it, it, it's gifts with the guy, the guy in your life, dad. Husband, you know, whatever the case might be, um, click the link, and you know, if you buy something, it'll help us out. Uh, Ashley Home Store, hey, if you need some furniture, check that out. And then uh, Caribbean Apparel, um, uh, again, our clothes are boring. I, I showed you guys one day. I have like ten of the same type of dockers. I'm boring. Caribbean <laughs> Apparel, check that out. Lots of islandwear, beachwear, and. You know, hey, we're getting casual. We're all working from home. We need some Caribbean wear in life, so check that out. All right. Well, Craig, we talked yesterday about the U.S. Capitol. I'm seeing this on the TV behind me. Um, and, hey, it was good. We said some things that definitely need to be saved. Um, we took a nonpartisan standpoint. I mean, we're not looking at this from a Republican or Democratic viewpoint. Just the you know, viewpoint I've discussed, you know, lots of icky things happening. Um I took it on some of the Facebook groups going, why are you getting so political? Well, we're not being political. We're just uh, commenting on what's happening. And, you know, love them or hate them, you know, the president had a, a a part in the day. I'm not saying he was responsible, he was guilty, but uh, a lot of stuff was happening there. So we're going to try to shy away from that, even though we led the show with that today. Uh, let's talk about some other stuff. Um, Craig, I sent you a story and Brandon's story yesterday. Kind of eventful week. Um, family videos are all closing. I think they're all done. Yep. Um, they're having a uh, going out of business sales. So if you want some cheap DVDs, you, you need to stop by and check them out. Or maybe some cheap video games, too. Um, here's the angle I wanted to take on the story. There was an article that was written by the Akambika Journal, which I thought was interesting, where it was talking about the closure of family videos, but it was also talking about 
how libraries aren't really taking the place, but they're, they're a resource. Because sometimes a family video, you're like, well, where can I get cheap videos? I'm not spending 20 bucks on every DVD or anything else. And it was interesting to see how the libraries are now kind of stepping up. This particular article talked about the Akron Public Library. I know Columbus has some libraries that do video games and books and everything else. I, I thought it was interesting. I like the fact that the library is being proactive and doing things that are a little bit more contemporary. And I think that helps make the libraries relevant. I guess that's the takeaway I took from it. Yeah, I mean, and I've done some stories over the past few years from some of our local libraries that have stepped up as far as not just offering DVDs, rentals, and things like that, but also... Um, you know, getting partnerships with streaming services to allow people to download music or have access to other movies that are uh, available for streaming that maybe they wouldn't carry necessarily or be able to carry in uh, their library physically. So uh, libraries have really kind of burst onto this 21st century mindset. Um, and at this point, I would actually have to think, and I'm going to be probably doing a story here in the next week or so, on uh, maybe libraries gaining some popularity uh, because of the family videos closing. In my, in my area, we actually have a family video here in Fremont and in Sandusky where I live. So, you know, we, we have two family video stores that have closed down. And, you know, obviously COVID has put sort of a damper on people visiting the library. But hopefully this will... Uh, you know, maybe in, inspire the library to get a little bit more business or maybe, you know, people signing up for a library card so they can stream some of the content that they have partnerships with. Yeah, and as always, check out Craig. I know not everybody who watches or listens to the show is from Fremont, but right here you see on the screen uh, Craig Schaup. Yeah. Uh, um, NH. News Herald. Back when I right. uh, first got hired, I was at Port Clinton News Herald, our sister paper, and uh, – Went with the uh, the NH for that, so right. So you, and even better, yeah. If you can subscribe to Fremont News Messenger, that's great. Uh, I understand not everybody can do that, especially if you live outside Fremont. But check him on Twitter; he tweets out his articles, and you can follow him more there. That'd be great. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's interesting. Um, I, I like it from the aspect of the library is. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about how they offer good internet service. So for families uh, who don't have access to the internet, you can go to the library and do that. Um, I I feel bad for family video. I mean, I remember going there to rent some uh, videos and games. But, you know, I got to be honest. It, it's like, um, you know, out-of-date businesses. Because right now, you know, Netflix and you know Hulu and all this other stuff, you can – download and you can stream a bunch of videos so i i just didn't see how that could maintain i mean i know family video they were having some like pizza shops that were in there and they were trying to do some cross promotion and everything and i i salute family video for trying but it's it just it's a service that you can't really blame the libraries but just with the advent of the internet and streaming it's it just that that concept just kind of went out the window yeah, yeah. I mean, you know i remember you know, there's this really infamous tweet from Blockbuster when, if we all remember, Blockbuster used to mm -hmm. be around. Uh, and I, I just pulled it up here, actually, from September 21st, 2011. Tweet us why you're leaving Netflix. The top three most creative tweets using Goodbye Netflix will win a one-year subscription to Blockbuster. Um, and obviously, this is the this would go under the poorly aged item uh, a Twitter account. Uh, 
certainly Blockbuster maybe underestimated the power of Netflix. And I think maybe to some degree we all kind of did. Um, I remember I, one of my best friends, uh, his dad actually, I, I didn't know what Netflix was until his dad actually started getting the DVDs in the mail and everything. And streaming services have just, uh, you know, bombarded places like Family Video, Blockbuster, other rental areas with with content that they just can't match. I mean, you can go into a store, you know, I went to the, to the Fremont store that we had to do a story in the spring to see how they were coping with, with COVID um, and what business was like. And interestingly enough, the, the family video that we had in Fremont would actually sell CBD products. So they had CBD oils yeah. and things like that. I don't know if every other one did, but I had asked the, uh, the manager there why, you know, why they sold or what's, what's the deal. Cause they were promoting it. I mean, they weren't shying away from it on the outside. They would have like CBD oil here, you know, and she basically said that, you know, the owner used it uh, after he had an injury and it worked really well for him. So he wanted to make that an offering in Fremont. So it was kind of a unique aspect. I know you had talked, just said uh, some pizza places were kind of partnering up with with them and, and opening up and, you know, trying to share some some business. But uh, that was sort of one strange aspect that I found during my time with family video here in Fremont. Well, I use a picture from another um place on one of my store on the um podcast picture and it has cbd oil too so unless that was a Fremont one maybe some other places are doing it yeah. who knows maybe family video could be the medical marijuana place <laughs> yeah they could have sold medical marijuana and and you could run a video at the same time right i mean we you could, know that's that would have been saved a... family video yeah you probably would have had a lot of like rentals of Dazed and Confused or like James yes. and Bob Strike Back or something. I mean, it would have uh, you would have had to stock up on certain uh, video options, I would imagine. But yeah, I mean, overall, you know, as a movie guy, I, I never really was a huge renter. I would I'd, I'd actually rather just buy movies at times, you know, especially when they got to a point where, you know, they were relatively cheap, and if it was like a you know, if you could find it in the $9 bin or something at Best Buy or Circuit City at the time or Walmart or whatever, I would kind of rationalize buying it over renting it for even 99 cents for a couple of days. Um, you know, I don't know if Drug Mart still rents videos, but I know that uh, growing up, I know Drug Mart used to rent videos as well. Um, not really sure if that's one of their options anymore. It's been a while since I've been in a, in a Drug Mart, but uh, maybe if someone out there knows uh, that Drug Mart still runs videos, let us know. But uh, that might be another option aside from, you know, the libraries. And then also, of course, many uh, Kroger and, and other places have uh, the red boxes as well that you can rent right. from and, and, and grab a video there too. But, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a, a sign of the times that family video closes down. Right, but you got to look at why. I, I mean, I guess red boxes just... You don't have to hire employees or anything. It's probably a cash cow that way. But, right. you know, to have a store, why have a video rental store anymore? It's almost beyond the point. I, I mean, I got to tell you, I, I still keep some DVDs and movies I really like. And um, I, I usually throw something on while I'm working. And when it's not this week, when there's U.S. Capitol news all week, sometimes I'll throw a movie on when I don't feel like I have to watch the news all day. I got to tell you, Craig, I put some DVDs on in. And I haven't watched a DVD for a while. And I got to tell you, frustrating as all get out. Because when you put that DVD in, it starts out. Have you ever seen DVDs where it'll start out with the trailer? 
and you can't skip beyond right. the trailer. And it's yeah. not just the trailer for the movie you're watching. It's a trailer for every other movie. So it's almost like they want you to get the movie theater experience where if you go to a movie theater, there's, right. you know, 10 minutes of trailers yeah. and you can't skip by them. Like I've got the freaking DVD. What's going on with that? Yeah, I mean, I used to like that feature, but now in this era where you you can watch a trailer on so many different forms, YouTube, IMDb, so many different areas you can find trailers for movies, and it's not, you know, with, with all the cable options, with all the internet we have now, you know, back in the early 2000s, it probably wouldn't have been a bad idea to kind of, you know, piggyback some of those uh, trailers on movies that you may it's sort of like a you know you may also be interested for the for the old era you know when you click on a movie on one of your streaming services and it goes down to the next section where you can say oh you might also be interested in this action movie if you're watching an action movie or comedy or whatever it may be so you know it's kind of like that was the old version of that and uh you know at times i kind of liked it it was kind of unique because maybe it was maybe it showed you a movie that you didn't know existed or you know but nowadays, everybody knows almost everything that exists because you can just get your hands on so much content. Right. And the one thing that frustrates my wife is, like, she likes the Polar Express, and she's used to right now. I mean, I've got a DVD player in the office with my Xbox One, you know, and plays DVDs. But she doesn't want to come down there to watch movies as much. And, like, she likes the Polar Express. That's her holiday tradition, watching the Polar Express. Well, it really wasn't on streaming services unless you wanted to pay a rental fee which is just kind of rough. And I don't know. Um, I love next time we have them on um, the Thomas family. Uh, they're movie directors and we have them on probably about two months ago. They were talking about this movie shedding. And I love the fact, you know, it's on Amazon prime. I hate the fact though, that everything is extra money. Like I would almost rather pay a premium to Amazon prime to have everything for free. Now, again, I'm not asking for free content. I know they need money to keep making movies like that. I don't mean to be greedy, but I don't like the, you pay a certain amount and you have to pay more and more and more. I mean, I'd rather pay 20 bucks and say, Hey, everything that Amazon offers you is free, but yeah, it's just me. Yeah, but Oh, well. So yeah. So it's interesting. Hopefully a family video isn't ticked at libraries. Because the story wasn't saying, hey, libraries close down family video. But it said, hey, don't worry. You can get this stuff at libraries. And, man, family video has got to look at libraries going, you jerks. Yeah. Yeah. You sort of change us. Well, yeah. Could be a stream, but I also think that it it was probably impossible, though. It's probably impossible for any library, even a, a sizable one like in Akron or Columbus, to have everything that was offered at a family video because, you know, bigger family videos, I think the one in the story said, you know, hundreds of DVDs and videos and, um, you know, obviously video games are another thing. I don't know that many libraries offer video game rentals. Um, and that's, that's another well, thing, but there are video, you know, there are video game services like Gamefly and other places like that. Well, the monthly, the monthly fee to rent games as much as you want. This story uh, mentions that Akron does. Yeah. In Columbus is interesting. I've, I haven't gone to libraries since COVID started, but uh, with Columbus, you have the, uh, what do you call it, the um, Worthington Library. I mean, I, I walk in there and there's hundreds of video games. It, okay. It's amazing. And, yeah. and the cool thing about it is if you sit there and say, well, I want this particular video game, they have like a sharing agreement with libraries around Central Ohio where you might have to wait a week, but, you know, 
you can order it and it'll come to you. Right. And the nice thing about ordering it to the library, and I'll tell you this, um, 10 week rentals, unless somebody uh, requests a game. So if you were, you, you know, reserve a, vid a video game, it comes to you. Um, you have it for two weeks, but it keeps on automatically renewing. So if no one else requests the same game, it's yours. Now you have to take it back or you have to pay for it. But man, 10 week rentals is great. Yeah, that's a, that's a great option. And, you know, because a lot of people, it, it's kind of like the sweet spot of, you know, you can get everything done if you're playing some sort of a, you know, role-playing game or a game that has sort of a narrative structure to it. It would probably give you enough time to to get through a 8 to 12-hour, you know, story that a game may lay out. Or, you know, I know, you, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, sporting video games. That's my thing is I'm a sports video game guy. So I, you know, I like to play my, my franchise modes and everything like that. And uh, it would probably give you some, some fun time to, to, to play a little bit in Madden or FIFA or NHL or, you know, MLB the show. Well, in the library has streaming video uh, services yep. too. So maybe the library is just coming after everybody. <laughs> library is like, Hey, you know, people aren't, you know, borrowing as many books as possible. So let's just go after family video. Maybe, yeah. they'll, maybe they'll put news outlets too. I mean, libraries come after us now. I hope not. Uh, we gotta close libraries down. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We're taking uh, an anti. This podcast is an anti-library podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the the libraries have you know have had to to adjust, you know, and I think the streaming services. I did a story a few years ago, and I, I was I was kind of taken aback by that. I I wasn't really aware that at least the smaller libraries, like when I did a story, it was on Port Clinton's library and in Fremont's library. And those are two smaller libraries in this area that I cover. And they offer the streaming services. And I thought that is that is very unique. And I think the biggest thing that surprised me at the time was, you know, we were sort of in the, uh, still in the midst of the downloading music craze, you know, and um, they had said that, yeah, every week in uh, under this agreement that they have, you can download a song and it's yours. Um, you know, no questions asked, no illegal, Ill Ill um, no, nothing illegal about it. It was simply just whatever song you want, you know, you have to find it obviously within their library and some songs they may not have, or they may have been edited, but uh, nothing illegal about it. And it was kind of a unique thing that I had never really thought of with the library. And, and now they have, you know, streaming services. I know that, um, you know, a lot of them have very well-known movies. It's not like these are streaming service agreements that they have with movies that you've never heard of, or, you know, the, the movies that play at 3 a.m. On, on cable or, you know, the, the movies that Nicolas Cage stars in. It's, I mean, these are like real Oscar-winning movies and just popular movies. And it's a, it's a unique feature that has kept the, the libraries pretty relevant, I would say. Yeah, very, very interesting. So, yeah, so farewell family video. And like I said, look out, the library is coming after you. That's, the, that's my takeaway from here. Uh, well, let's move on a little bit. Um, the, you know, this week, um, vaccinations are becoming a, a big deal. It's kind of the next uh, step in the fight against COVID. Kind of interesting. And I'm reading this story just to understand exactly what's going on. Uh, we're based out of Ohio. I was being an Ohioan. And they're saying that um, vaccinations of oldest Ohioans are going to start January 19th. And from what Governor Mike DeWine said, it looks like it's going to be 80 and older, <clears throat> January 19th, and then each week 
will be five years younger. Um, but the interesting thing is they're only, they're only expecting 100,000 doses of vaccine available each week. And you look at right now, there's 450,000 Ohioans 80 and older. So I'm interested in seeing what happens here. I know there's been some criticism about you know, the administration and everything, uh, talking about how why aren't there more vaccines available and everything else. And this, I'm glad Ohio has a plan. I'm not sure if that many people are going to be able to get them. Then. You know what I mean? Now, not everybody is obligated to take a vaccine, but uh, I thought it was interesting. And the other uh, part of this, which was interesting, uh, they're going to start offering vaccinations to school teachers, employees, and school districts willing to commit to in-person classes for students beginning March 1st. So if you get that vaccine, you need, you need to have uh, in-person class. So, Right. I was kind of... I don't I, and maybe we can have a little discussion about this. I was kind of yeah. interested in this because I did a story this week on after a gov, after Lieutenant Governor Houston had said, you know, it's kind of like a pay for play. If you are willing to go back to full time in person, then you'll be kind of at the top of the list for the vaccine. And I had talked to uh, Fremont City School Superintendent John Detweiler. And one of the interesting things that struck me is they've kind of done some surveys and, you know, from staff and faculty on, on who would be interested in getting the vaccination um, maybe at all, or at least as, as of right now. And, you know, they haven't gotten all the numbers back yet, but, you know, he was kind of anticipating just maybe like a 50%, you know, acceptance of that. And I kind of thought that was interesting where, <clears throat> you know, the state kind of implied that, you know, if these schools do this, they can go back to full time, but they didn't really have any provisions about how many, what percentage of staff would have to get vaccinated. Does it have to be a hundred percent staff? Does it have to be 75% or is it just whoever decides to do it? And that's fine. Um, but it doesn't sound like a lot of people are going to be interested in getting the vaccination. Like, you know, the, the governor had said, what, 60% of, uh, of workers in nursing homes have rejected getting the vaccine. Um, so I kind of wonder if they're going to you know, maybe update. I'd love for, you know, somebody at the uh, the state house question press conferences to ask, you know, hey, does everybody in the school district have to get the vaccine for them to be able to go back to school five days a week? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of unknowns. <laughs> and yeah, there, there's a lot to figure out one time. Um, You know, the other thing I can't figure out for life of me is I, I understand the reluctance you know, for the vaccine. I, I think it's almost criminal if you're doing that just based on some wild conspiracy theory. But if you're really, like, you know, I have two kids. I'm feeling a little bit nervous for the kids taking the vaccine, not based on, on a conspiracy theory, but I want to make sure the kids are okay and everything. Um, so, you know, I guess that's my pause, but it's weird because I'm seeing these stories about fire departments and um, people who work at nursing homes where it's 40 to 60% of the people who are working those places are actually taking the vaccine. Right. And that kind of surprises me. I mean, I'm not necessarily pro or anti-vaccine, but I'm kind of like you would think those are the people that really need to take it. I mean, I'm a journalist who works from home. Right. So, yeah, if I can get the vaccine, sure, I, I'll get it, but I don't have to have it. But when you're talking about people who work directly, first responders that aren't getting it, it makes me wonder. It's a little troubling because, obviously, you want your first responders to be able to, not pass COVID long, I guess. 
Yeah. Does it make you, and before I get into it, does it make you wonder about it as in you're skeptical then because you're thinking, well, why would these health professionals say no to it? Or is it you, you're, you're, you're wondering like why they don't believe that it's worth getting. I mean, what, or is it a little bit of both? Well, I come at it from a different perspective, and uh, not to be silly, but I'm anti-shot. I don't like having shots, you know. Uh, I'll go to the doctor, they'll be like, oh, it's time for your yearly whatever it is. I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. So, so it's not, you know, I, I guess maybe it's a conspiracy that I don't like shots. I mean, that's pretty much what the conspiracy okay. is. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess that's where it comes from me. I don't know. I, you know. You get nervous sometimes when you hear about, you know, how kids respond to vaccines and everything. And I, I guess that's our family is a little bit reluctant. But again, if it's helping keeping you safe, I mean, I think eventually yeah, we'll definitely get that. And, you know, my wife's a teacher. She may need to take that soon, you know, from what the story is saying. Sure. And she's not against it. It, it just we're being a little cautious. We're being a little, you know, chill and, and relaxed on it. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I kind of agree that I was a little su surprised to see the numbers. Like when, uh, you know, when I was talking to the superintendent, I figured, you know, almost everybody would be on board or, you know, I was surprised when the governor said 60% of nursing home staff just don't want it. Um, and, and, you know, that's also made like my wife and myself skeptical. Like I'm kind of curious as to why, you know, so many people are saying no to it. And it's made my wife kind of rethink, well, should I get it? You know, should I be skeptical of it? Because, you know, why would they be skeptical of it? And, you know, I just kind of rationalize it by saying that just because you you work in healthcare or just because you're a teacher or just because you, you know, you work at a nursing home doesn't mean you have this, the beliefs of everything health is, is needed or everything shot wise is needed. And I think that's kind of how I look at it is, not everybody's wired the same way. Everybody has their skepticisms and everybody, you know, maybe feels like, well, I've already had it and I'm not going to probably get, get it again. Or if I do get it again, I know I can fight it off. Maybe they've decided that they just simply don't care if they get the, the virus and they feel like they can battle it. Maybe they feel safer because the people they work with, you know, the, the nursing home, uh, you know, men and women that live there are getting the vaccine at what, like a 75, 80, 80% 80 rate. So, you know, there's probably a lot of factors as far as maybe why nursing home staff um, aren't getting it. And there's probably a lot of factors as to why maybe, you know, when I did that school story, that maybe a lot of school teachers and custodians and lunch people are just deciding, no, I don't need it. So, you know, I've always said it's a personal it's a personal choice. Um, my personal choice would be to get it um, just to protect myself and my family. And that's kind of how what I choose. But other people may feel safe as, as they are right now, and that's fine. Well, I'll, I'll admit, I mean, we're going to get it. We're not rushing out, pushing past people to say, I want it right away. Right. I, our, our kind of joke was, let's wait and make sure somebody else gets it first, and that way if it's deadly, you know. And, and not that it's right. intentionally deadly, but what if it was a horrible vaccine that killed everybody? Yeah, it's kind of tough. I, I do think it's kind of funny. Um, I, I don't have a problem with Mike DeWine. I think it's kind of funny. He gets almost giddy during his press conferences when he talks about showing people to get the vaccine. 
Like, he's like, I want you to see, you get that. And I, I know what his point is. He's trying to illustrate to say, hey, the more we show, it's safe and everything else. But right, right. It, it sounds like, I, I wonder if there's a YouTube category for that where people who like watching, yeah. watching people get the COVID vaccine, you know, like, yeah. it's, I think I think that was probably like it could have been a one time, you know, a one time thing or maybe, you know, you show it for the first few days. I don't know that we need oh, to see. He's, yeah, he's I don't know. That we, show it. <laughs> I don't I don't know that we and it's not because I'm squeamish or anything. It's just like, OK, we get it. It's not a surprise that these healthcare workers that have agreed to get the shot are willing to go on TV. They're not they're not really making it seem like, you know, they should show the everyday Joe's more so than that than than health professionals or staff or things like that or or even you know trusted officials like himself now i know he can't necessarily get the shot right now just because it's not in his you know his bracket just yet but you know soon he will be because he is 74 so you know or 72 i think so you know soon he will be eligible for it if he you know wants to take it i'm sure he will take it on live tv uh, one during one of his pressers, but uh, yeah, I just feel like you know once once or twice was probably enough to show that people are getting it, um, and I think they're trying to build up like this trust that hey, it's just a harmless little thing, and you know that's why you you kind of feel like everybody's got this pre, you know, this premeditated speech that you know they have to say oh it, I didn't even feel it, it felt fine, right. I feel great or whatever, and it's like I think it's better just to go with more of a natural approach and just you know avoid some of this dog and pony show like you know that we get during these pressers now where everybody's going to roll up their sleeve and get a you know shot like two people are going to do it per show i I think it's just like youtube um you know my daughter likes elevators okay she likes riding elevators well it's covid we we don't really want to ride elevators during covid time so i i think of it and say hey let's look at Elvira's on YouTube, and she gets all excited and everything. So I, I think maybe showing her one would be okay. So we right. find one and we show it. Five hours later, she's still watching freaking Elvira clips on YouTube. And right. I come in after the first two. I'm like, "What are you doing? Your 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 mind's turning into mush." And that's why I kind of think sometimes you watch a lot of vaccinations. I mean, it's good to see people get it. It's good to see it's safe. But the more vaccination videos you watch, it it, it kind of gets I hate to say creepy, but it kind of gets a little weird after a while. Yeah, especially when you have that element of I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're given something to say verbatim, but you kind of feel like some of the people that come on get coached up a little bit like hey, hit these key elements and stuff. And I think that it comes across as a little disingenuous sometimes. So that would be like my one criticism every now and then of the the press conferences we've seen um, with you know, certain people that come on and you can feel like they're reading something off rather than just speaking from the heart. And I think maybe that's where some people have, have got this, uh, it's drawn the ire of some people, I think, where, you know, they've already had skepticism before and, you know, you're making it worse by having someone tell their COVID story and you feel like they're reading something more so than they're just, you know, telling about how their experience really was. Now, I've got a message, Ohioans. Leave Fran DeWine alone. I, you know, I think what endeared the wine to Ohio and from this whole thing first started, I had Amy Acton. I know some people love or hate Amy Acton, but the nice thing about Amy Acton is she spoke like one of us, and she tried to make you feel better and everything else. And I think the wine learned from that. So the wine has his wife come on. She shares some stuff around the house, and man. 
don't look at Twitter after that happens because everyone's like screaming at Fran DeWine. And I covered Mike DeWine when he was attorney general. Mike DeWine's old school. I mean, in Mansfield, he came up and he was speaking about like the drug fight when he was attorney general. And it's first time I met him. And I got to tell you, Mike DeWine's like two feet tall. I mean, it's me. I mean, I'm not that tall. I'm looking down at him while I was interviewing him. It was, it was kind of crazy. But the other thing is, Mike brings this table. It's not of his CD or anything. It's of his wife's cookbooks. And he was looking at us in the media going, take a cookbook. And we're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and, you know, and some of us didn't take a cookbook. And he said, no, you're taking a cookbook. So we all walked home with a friend of wine cookbook. So, you know, hey, it's different. It's strange. I mean, you, you'll cover a Donald Trump press conference and have him hawk things from his wife. Well, maybe you would, but you never know. But, you know, hey, they're, they're loved. They support each other. I, I know it comes off a little bit strange, but they're trying to be personable during a strange time. So leave Fran DeWine alone. I think it brings a little levity to the situation. I mean, we're always yeah. talking about doom and gloom. And then, you know, every now and then you get one of the reporters asking a question about, uh, you know, I think they, they've asked questions about Fran's chicken noodle recipe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they want someone had before the holidays that had asked about her pie crust, um, you know, recipe, how she makes her pie crust. I, so, I thought that was weird, though. Yeah. I, I, mean, I wasn't down with that. <laughs> I, I mean, mean I, leave yeah. Fran the alone. It, it was like Fran told him to ask that, but I thought that was kind of weird. I think, I like you know, with, with as much scrutiny as journalists can get, especially – you know, in Ohio, even, I don't know if, you know, if you've felt that over the years, but we certainly have, um, you know, I, I felt it yesterday when I prompted uh, to see if anybody had went to the Capitol. I, I reached out on some Facebook posts about, you know, uh, had anybody, you know, went to the Capitol that, you know, that day and, and experienced that situation. Um, and the, the comments that I got were less than spectacular about me, but that's fine. But yeah, I mean, it, it is a little odd when you, you know, probably when you're a, a, just a normal Joe watching the press conference and you hear a reporter, instead of getting down and dirty into the questions, it's, oh, what's Fran's pie recipe? How did she make that crust or whatever? You know, I, I can see why people probably give some people a hard time in our profession when they hear that and think you guys can ask any question you want. And you're asking about, you know, Fran's chicken and noodle recipe, you know, the timing of that question was really weird in my opinion. And again, it was like two weeks ago, maybe last week. I, I time means nothing. anymore. It's all it become one gooey piece of junk, but no, it was a re let's say recent press conference where, you know, governor's wine, he'll talk for the first half hour and he has two a week now about, you know, COVID or whatever else he wants to talk about. The reporters asked questions, and this was like halfway through the questioning. Some guy was like, oh, I, I haven't got to talk to you, so what friend's pie recipe? And, yeah, you know, it's like, okay, ask him afterwards, because you got to realize when we talk to people, when we talk to sources, yeah, we have to be objective. We can't be best buddies and best friends with our sources, but then on the other hand, we can't be a jerk to our sources. Like, we can't go in there and say, tell me this, tell me that, tell me everything. Sometimes you have to build a rapport. Sometimes you have to ask about their favorite team or or something else they enjoy. And, yeah, you still get to the point. But, yeah, I mean... I don't think the pie crust question was a bad question. I think it was just weird. It yeah. came at when it came. I, I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, well, you know, we've heard them say happy birthday to him here in the last couple of days, and you know, oh how, yeah, how okay, are you, doing? you know, <laughs> that was weird too. <laughs> that was, but you know, 
from our perspective, it's it's sort of the way to kind of like, you know, you build a rapport. Not that people not that a lot of these people have not talked to Governor DeWine for years now, but it, it also can help him relax a little bit as a source. And when you ask a question, you may get a better answer when you've kind of lightened the mood or when you've, you know, I mean, the, the first thing I don't get down in down into the, the meat and potatoes of an interview right away when I'm talking to people, uh, you know, you got to build that. You, 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 even if even for sources that I've had for years, you know, you still have to build it up and you want to let them relax a little bit and, and maybe be a little looser and, and, you know, a little bit more you know, calm, and then maybe they might give you a better answer. So that's, you know, I, I can see that's what they're probably fishing for when they when they do that. But yeah, some of the questions are just kind of, or statements or whatever you want to call it are just kind of strange at times. It triggered something to me because um, it was my birthday too. And I'm just double checking it. And it's true. Mike DeWine and I share a birthday. How about that? That's awesome. You he's guys should old. celebrate. Yeah, he's older than me, but it's a little bit, a little, a little bit older. Yeah. No, you bit. mentioned that. It kind of made me think. I was watching that. I was working on my birthday. It was interesting. Just uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it struck something. I share a birthday <laughs> with Mike Dewine. How about that? Isn't that great? Well, we have a couple minutes left. Let's go in these real quick. I gotta be honest. I'm not really a baseball fan that much anymore. But struck me, Indians made another trade yesterday trading Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the Mets for four guys I've never heard of. Uh, now, Craig, I'm not sure if you're into baseball that much. I am. Have you heard of these guys? Yeah, yeah. I think um, – I don't know that the Indians got enough, but I don't know if you can ever say they got enough when you trade someone like Frankie Lindor. Um, and Carlos Carrasco is a very serviceable pitcher in the big leagues, uh, more than serviceable. That's kind of a disservice to him to call him serviceable. He is a very – strong right-handed arm at the top of the rotation. He's going to help the Mets as well. Uh, but yeah, Ahmad Rosario is a starting shortstop in this league. And, um, you know, I think everybody had sort of a strange year last year. He had a down year last season uh, during the COVID shortened season. But in 2019, he had a really productive year. I think he is going to be a good slot in there for, for Lindor. He's got a few years of club control before he really gets super expensive and the Indians would probably, you know, consider trading him, you know, you know, to avoid having to pay all that money, uh, assuming he continues his development and becoming a, a good, well-rounded shortstop. But uh, Andres Jimenez, the other uh, infielder that the Indians received in this trade, um, if he hadn't played a lot last year, he would still be one of those top 100 young prospects by most baseball, you know, aficionados. And um, he was a very good pickup in this trade. I think the Indians did really well at the top. And then the other two players, the uh, right-handed pitcher and the outfielder, uh, were top 10 Mets prospects in their system. The Mets don't have a great prospect pool. But, um, you know, the Indians, I will say that I think the Indians over the years have done fairly well you know, mining for talent, uh, you know, guys like Corey Kluber, for instance, come to mind. Um, so I think the Indians have done fairly well as far as, you know, making trades over the years. And I think you you probably err on the side of caution when you trade a, a guy like Lindor. But you also think that, well, the Indians have had a track record of being able to find diamonds in the roughs uh, with some of these trades. And, you know, they did get a couple of younger guys that are still early in their development. Uh, so we'll see how it works out. Right, but I'm a super casual baseball fan. And I guess the thing that strikes me is 
you have to spend a certain amount of money if you want to be owners. <clears throat> the the Dolans don't do that. And, I, you know, I think there's way too much money in sports and baseball and everywhere else. But if you can't afford to be in that market, it, it kind of gets dumb when whenever there's a good player like a Lindor or whoever else, you're just like, oh, well, we have to trade him. And like you said, their only chance is to get enough young talent where hopefully instead of just one good player like Lindor, they have like – 15 good players at one time, which they have when they were had that run in the 90s. You know, it, it just I, it leaves a weird taste in people's mouth. And I guess my advice to Indians fans or Spiders, whatever they become once they change their name, is if they're not spending the money, you shouldn't spend the money. I mean, tickets are getting very expensive now. Um, now I'm sounding like the old man and everything, but man, I used to go to games with my dad where you got in games for maybe 10 bucks at the most. Now it's almost 10 bucks at the least and the tickets go really up. And if you're asking fans to pay such a premium price with parking and everywhere else, I, right. I it kind of says something when, when you can't spend the money to keep guys in. And I know the markets are different and everything else, but <clears throat> I mean, Lindor is one guy. I mean, the Mets might pay 10 guys what they're going to pay Lindor. It, it just it, – it leaves a bad taste for mouth. I'll put it that way. Right. Well, you know, the Indians – I'm a Marlin, I'm a Miami Marlins fan, and if there's ever a, a team to, to look at that salary dumps, it's the Miami Marlins. They've done it for years now, whether it's been after World Series victories or – just saying, hey, we can't afford a, a good player. We got to get rid of him. And they went through a huge salary dump rebuild over the last few years, getting rid of Giancarlo Stanton's contract. They got rid of Christian Yelich. They got rid of Marcelo Zuna, you know, JT Real Muto. I mean, so they got rid of all their best players. And a lot of, you know, I was a little hurt because, you know, those were some good players that I thought they could build around. But you kind of realize they didn't win anything with them. And, um, you know, not that the Indians haven't had success with Lindor because they certainly have. I mean, they've been to a World Series for, you know, crying out loud. But in this economic time, the Dolans just don't feel like they can spend the money on this ball club. And honestly, you know, you talked about if they're not going to spend the money, then the fans shouldn't spend the money. Well, I got to tell you, Chris, the, the fans aren't really spending a lot of money in Cleveland. I mean, you look at the 2019, uh, you know, data from attendance. Cleveland was 21st out of 30 teams. So it's not, and they, and they've been a consistent playoff team for, you know, what, five years now or so um, or longer. And, you know, that, that's got to wane on organizations. You know, I, I know people aren't going to baseball games as frequently as they once did. And especially in Cleveland when they had that large sellout streak, but you know, people just aren't really going to games anymore. Now, you know, 19,000 wouldn't be bad if you're a Cavs fan or, you know, but, this is the Indians. They have a 40-ish thousand seat stadium in Progressive Field, and they're not even filling up really half the stadium at this point. So, um, you know, it's not really rocket science to, to feel like, hey, you know, they're they're not getting the people coming through the turnstiles, so they're not going to really reinvest in the club as much. Now, one of the caveats there is they do have the TV deal. They had it with Sports Time Ohio. Now, Sports Time Ohio has uh, sort of merged here with Fox Sports to make one sort of conglomerate, but, you know, they really weren't, they, they spent a little money when they, when they had sports time, Ohio money coming in, that TV contract kicked in, you know, they signed Edwin in Canarcion and they brought back Carlos Santana, but yeah, I mean, I think it's in a lot of ways, they just unwisely spent their money in some, to some degree. And that was maybe the problem is, 
you know, they, they reinvested in other areas and now they're kind of at the end of this. Yeah. But you got Every town's different. Like, you know, Pittsburgh's a great hockey town and a great football town. Pittsburgh doesn't support the Pirates. And same thing with Cleveland. I mean, and you can say what you want about the history of the Indians or whatever. But, you know, traditionally, they don't do that until the Indians get really good. And when the Indians get really good, a lot of people come. When they don't, they don't. But I, well, the Indians have been really good lately, though. I mean, it, they're not far removed from a World right. Series appearance. And, you know, I think the Dolans are probably thinking, well, what more can we do to, to bring out fans – consistently, not just for opening day, not just for a July 4th or Memorial Day, not just for like a regular season finale, um, you know, not just well, the playoffs. It's it's, well, been- it's, almost like, it's almost like newspaper advertising. I mean, with the, like, you try to sell a newspaper ad and some people say, well, I don't have the money to do it now. So I'll start taking out ads when my business does better. And then you miss the point saying, well, if you take advertising out, more people know about your business and you can do better. You know, and you'll do better. So like with the Indians, yeah, I get it. You know, you don't want to spend money you don't have, but in some ways you almost have to say, okay, we have to, maybe if we spent more money, to get better players. And then the fans start coming because we're going to be better. But the owners, and again, if, I was the owner of a baseball team, I'd say, I ain't spending money I don't have. So, I mean, I, I get it. I, I mean, it, it's fine. I mean, yeah. but, I'm like a huge baseball guy, so um, the Lindor trade didn't really affect me too many ways. <laughs> Other than the fact it was a busy breaking news day yesterday with U.S. Capitol News, a lot of crazy other stuff, and then the Indians had to trade Francisco Lindor in that day, and I'm working in Northern Ohio. That was a huge story up there. Yeah. You, you know, it's funny. I'm not an Indians fan, but I have a lot of friends that are, and one of my friends, you know, he texts me like, well, what did they get for him? Did they get anybody good? I mean, he's he's a baseball fan, but he didn't know about some of the younger prospects, and you, you never know. I mean, it's, it's too early to tell, but – you know, there was all, all these talks about when the Indians were going to have to trade Lindor, what they were going to get. And, you know, when you trade a superstar like that, is it ever enough? I mean, it, it probably is if you can parlay that into a, a a trade that gives you playoff caliber players that, you know, maybe you get to another World Series or even win a World Series. I mean, that's the ultimate goal for these clubs is to find a way back into the postseason and win a World Series. And if they do that, then, you know, the trade is a success. I mean, I don't – if the Indians win a World Series, not necessarily because of these guys, but if they win a World Series, then it's a success. I mean, that's the way you've got to look at these deals because Lindor was not able to win one. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, my friend also said he wishes that, you know, Dan Gilbert, the Cleveland Cavaliers owner, owned the Indians because the Dolans just don't spend money, and Dan Gilbert would love to spend more money as the Cavs owner. You just have – salary cap restrictions in the NBA and you don't have that major league baseball. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if the Dolans would ever sell, but they don't seem very interested in selling. It was a Friday news dump. I mean, you, that phrase kind of means that sometimes you pull out your bad news on Friday afternoons when not many people are paying attention. Well, with us capital news and everything, you know, Hey, why not trade Francisco Lindor that day? Because you know it's going to go over like a lead balloon, but probably won't get as much attention if you wait for a slow day. But Indians, darn you, because for us news guys, you know, we still have to report it. I mean, maybe they didn't get as much attention if nothing was going on. So I blame the Indians. And really, sorry, Craig, I'm not a big baseball guy, so I'm not really upset from a standpoint. I was just upset because it's been a busy week. 
Yeah. And Lindor got traded and I had more work for myself. So <laughs> that's how I do my newscasts. <laughs> I, I just hear and scream about how it's inconveniencing my time at work. So that's mm-hmm. great. Hey, I, I don't want to talk about this anymore because I want to talk about food. We talked about food the other day. It went really well. And then a bunch of people stormed the U.S. Capitol. We couldn't talk about food. So let's talk about food. Um, Subway, and this picture isn't super big, but you see it here, uh, the protein bowl they're debuting, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, what they're doing is they're – it's filled with the meat that you would get from a normal sandwich. So, like you say, I want a Subway club. They put the meat in from the club along with salad. It's six ninety nine, And I got to tell you, we had a story here on the podcast recently about – how Subway is doing sugar bread. You know, that's what their bread's based on. And I, I got to be honest, Craig, it grossed me out and everything. I've been to Subway since. I'm kind of down with this. Protein bowl. Now, it's kind of a salad, but it's more meat than salad. Right. I don't about the price point. This sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm on, I'm on the website looking at it and just to see if there's like a scale of how big it is. But yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Subway fan out there. Um, I'll go there every once in a blue moon. Um, but, yeah, I, I've never really thought Subway, you know, they either have a big sandwich or it's a little tiny sandwich. You have to get double meat and all that stuff just to to feel like you've eaten a sandwich. But, uh, I mean, yeah, these protein bowls are are bigger. You know, six ninety nine is kind of expensive for I guess it would be a, a meat salad. I would suppose. I, I mean, I'm not yeah, here, sure. Here's a picture of that here. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I understand their their desire to try something different and thinking outside the box because you know a lot of people are conscious about you know the the carbohydrates and things that they're eating. So I get that. Um, you know, will it be a big seller? Who knows? I mean, it will be easier for them to prepare. I don't know. Maybe it's pre-prepared. I don't, I don't know how they do it, but, uh, you know, it will be interesting, interesting to see if this is something that can help sort of take them, maybe take them over the top, I guess, or maybe it will allow another section of customers that maybe they never have had because they've offered, you know, the big doughy bread, although they do have flatbreads there as well that they, you know, use for breakfast and things like that. So, you know, we'll see what happens and it, it, it probably can't hurt. Try something new. Might get me go back to Subway. I'll tell you, hopefully whenever this pandemic ends, which maybe years, who knows, I want to review more food. I want these places to send food to me or DoorDash to us. <laughs> And we can start reviewing on the air, but you know, no, but it looks interesting. I, I just was a little bit grossed out about the um, the bread situation, so this might get me to go back. We'll have to check it out. Yeah, might be All worth right. What's that? It might be worth a, t- uh, a try. You yeah. know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right. Well, that was the Ohioan podcast for today. Like I said, so many ways of connecting with us. Um, yeah, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Um, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Honestly, Craig, there's four other podcast services I never even heard of before. So, yeah, catch us out. If we're missing any, let us know. Uh, we'll do our best to add it. You know, also check our website, viewfromthepew.club. Um, and just, you know, keep in touch. Uh, the interview podcast I'm enjoying too. Um, yeah, keep us, uh, keep listening to those as well. Now, I will tell you, Craig. 
It's been an ambitious first week. We've had two podcasts a day for the first five days, but I can, I'm glad to announce, Craig, nothing personal. We don't do weekend podcasts. So <laughs> yeah. don't, don't keep it six on the weekend and say, man, I got to crank up my YouTube and check these guys out because we're not going to be there. Yeah, we're uh, but we'll be back on Monday. Yeah, I can't wait to sleep in. I was, uh, yes. you know, Thursdays I've had this ritual of kind of staying up a little bit later because it's the weekend almost. So it's like, yeah, I can stay up a little bit later and, uh, you know, get through the, the, the work day, even though we usually, like you said, have those Friday news dumps. But uh, uh, I, I told my wife yesterday, I'm like, well, I got to get to bed soon because I got to get up at five o'clock. You know, I got to, I can't just, yeah. you know, and I don't want to slog through a, you know, an entire five o'clock through a whole work day and then, you know, stay up late on the weekend type of guy. So it's, uh, it's kind of tough, but, uh, yeah, you know, I still went to bed late probably compared to some people, but, uh, I don't know. I've always been an early bird, so it's fine with me to, to wake up early. Well, um, and yeah, like I said, connect with us. It should be good. We'll be back Monday morning and it could be a rough Monday morning on Steelers and Browns play Sunday night in the playoffs. And not even just if the Steelers win or lose, they're playing at night, and it's kind of tough when we have to get up at six the next morning for a podcast. So, I don't know. Maybe we should maybe we should do the podcast when the game's over, or a midnight podcast. I'm with that. But no, it'll be. I'm a little nervous. I, I feel pretty good about them winning, but you never know. So, uh, just so much going on. So, U.S. Capitol. I'm looking at the TV now. Not much else is happening from that. A couple more. Uh, national officials have resigned. Latest Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. Uh, I'm sure that will be breaking over the weekend. So, fall news. And I'll tell you, let's give a plug for where we work for. Um, Gannett uh, Newspapers, part of USA Today Network. Uh, check out dispatch.com, Cincinnati.com, 19 other papers around the state. And we all combine our forces together. There was a big announcement made yesterday. They're merging the Cincinnati and Columbus State House offices. So, and again, it's all for better coverage. It's all for more comprehensive coverage. And even uh, Craig works with one of our smaller papers in Fremont. We share all the content all around the state. So even you, you not only get local news, but you also get state news too. So definitely check it out, Craig. Congratulations. We made it for the first week. And <laughs> yeah. We're ready for another week. Uh, let's hang out for a sec afterwards. And everybody else, have a great day. Have a great weekend, guys.